kids use dominoes to build a Rube Goldberg chain that we never see. <laughs> You're listening to Return to Gilead, a fan podcast for down Gilead Lane by two new but journaling fans of the show. I'm Ryan Matlock. Uh, I'm busy journaling. Oh, uh, well, we're reviewing 5-5, The Domino Effect by Beth Culp, episode 64 on our Return to Gilead. Uh, there, there, I'm done. I was just journaling about how I love this episode because I think it does a great job with Brooke, but I think it's kind of clouded by the fact that there are dominoes, you know? A <laughs> little bit. I mean, we wouldn't have an epic pun for the title if we didn't have dominoes, though. Yeah. Uh, quick pun rating and then we'll jump into the summary. Uh, it's eight out of ten. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the dominoes really don't have an effect, right? That's no, no, but th- so the, the kids are dealing with the domino effect, and then there's also Justin who's like, the dominoes, they affect each other, just like the verse I've been memorizing. Yeah. Which then Brooke learns so, that lesson about how her actions affect each other, or her, how her actions affect others too, so it's it's a neat little thematic element. Yeah. I just wish that we'd actually gotten a payoff. That's what my haiku was about. We <laughs> never get to see what they built with the dominoes, how it turned out. We just get to see a couple, oh no, you knocked over the dominoes moments, and then nothing. Absolutely true. I want to read the summary, and then we can talk more about that. How about that? Sure. Okay. As the Taylor family drifts further into depression after Joan's return, Brooke also starts to drift away from God, causing ripples throughout her family. Which is a very dark summary, but it's a very dark episode. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Wait, I mean, it's it's hard. You've got yes. Brooke at the end. She is at the lowest place I think we've seen her. Almost as low as, maybe not as low as her loathing towards Tom Richter. But she's not good. And that's because she's been allowing Becca to project her emotions onto her. And she's been dealing with these things for what she thinks is for the Taylors, but what she needs to do is let go and let God come into their lives. And ironically, that's what happens next episode when Brooke steps away and actually tells Becca, you should probably listen to what your dad has to say and maybe give your mom a ch- or maybe give Joan a chance. And I don't think she's calling her her mom at that point. Then yeah, th- th- some, there's actually something that happens. But here... Because Brooke is trying to help, and we've seen this so many times. We saw this earlier in this season. Brooke wants to help others. She cares about others. But in the process, she doesn't look out for herself. And it really affects her family. But I don't think that the parallel with just maybe maybe the parallel with Justin is fine. I don't know if the parallel with the dominoes was really warranted because... (sighs) Your sister's critique is going to have ripples throughout the whole rest of the series. I hope you know that because it's it's very relevant. Oh, <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's just now I'm thinking of was this parallel actually good? And I don't know because you've got the dominoes and hey, there are chain reactions that happen. And then unrelated, Justin is reading First Corinthians 1426. Uh, when one part suffers, all the parts suffer. I, I think that's 1426. But. He's reading that, and then that's never brought up again, and then Brooke is trying to take Becca's pain and her emotions onto herself to help Becca deal with them, and in the process, she is shutting God out of her life by not being in the Word, reading, uh, not praying, not going with her family to Sunday school, which are all things that she knows she should do, and she's clearly seeing the effects. Love the scene with John and Mary at the end when they talk about it. Yes. But there's just so much here 
And there's not really a tie back into the Taylors. The Taylors don't have a domino effect going on, which that was okay. But the three separate things, the actual dominoes, Justin being the domino that's knocked over, and Brooks not, uh, like, the Taylors affecting Brooke, I feel like that was just a cup, a few too many gimmies for this episode, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I like that you used that because we talked about the gimmies thing. <laughs> that actually got cut. But... I'm sorry. What? You, you cut it? that conversation? <laughs> the episode was so long. Just re-explain it if you would real <laughs> okay. quick. Okay, so any piece of work gets one give me, uh, one gimme. That's the rule. And a gimme is like one place where you suspend reality in order to make the thing work. So, for example, Star Wars. Obviously, we have to give it the gimme that there was a galaxy a long time ago where there were wars and lightsabers and force magic people. But if you yeah. give it that... Does the piece work? And it does most of the time. It like, plays by its own rules some, for the most part. There's some pieces where it, there's some pieces where it's like, well, you also have to suspend reality that like the force works this way, and like that gets some people agitated about newer pieces of Star Wars material. But like yeah. th- that's the general example. Well, like so here, and also also in the way that yeah. Star Wars works, you can bring back uh, spoilers. You can bring back your your big bad Darth Vader. After he's turned to the dark side and almost dead, you can bring him back to his full potential as a dark lord and have that not be like, oh, there's just nobody dies in that series. And that actually makes sense because that fits within the context of the force. You can't, however, have your biggest bad just perpetually stay alive until he's randomly taken down by this person who has no force history except that he's her granddaughter. She's his granddaughter. So and she's his granddaughter because reasons, because reasons that's yeah. that's too many so, gimmies on top of the gimme that right. this thing even makes remotely any sense anyway. Right. So as it applies to this episode, yeah, I agree. It's like you have to give the gimme not and like in other episodes as well, where it's like there's a lot of people who are very coincidentally learning the same lessons here. Mm-hmm. Like it's great for thematic exploration. It's not as great for like the fact that you have to suspend reality to believe that this is all happening at the exact same time, which mm-hmm. I think was my sister's argument. Yes. And by the way, I, I, I don't know exactly what I've cut and what I've left in because I do listen to everything. So you might have got the Star Wars explanation twice. Nice. Be more educated, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. <laughs> We're just really hammering back the fact that the sequels aren't great. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but anyway, I yeah, your sister critique anyway. What, what were you saying? Yes. Um, I think it's very prevalent in this episode, like the domino. I like the symbolism. However, I think there's place where it has gone a little bit too far because the symbolism has gone so far that we have to have the dominoes that the kids are playing with and Brooke, which is fine. If it was just those two, I think it would be okay. It'd be a cool little kickback. In fact, if we cut Justin's part entirely, um, we could have enough time at the end where the kids finally knock down all the dominoes and everything's affected and like a, a pie splatters against someone's face or something. I don't know. Because oh, it's funny. Because um, it's funny. <laughs> but I think Justin's conversation is where it breaks down. And I don't mean to say that I don't like Justin's conversation. I do. I think that it's a great way of explaining the thoughts that are being presented in this episode. It kind of prefaces all the things that we're going to think about and talk about in this episode from a Christian moral standpoint. Problem, though, is that it breaks down as far as the events that actually occur in the episode, because if Justin is thinking so deeply about all these things, you would expect him to maybe be on guard for not being affected by 
other people positively or like being affected positively, but not negatively. Yeah. But he speaks about it as if he's very aware of what it means and how it should apply to his life. And then it doesn't change how he acts in the rest of the yeah, episode. It seems a bit it's just quick. sort of it's just sort of him name dropping stuff that we'll learn later. Yeah, and that's reflected in the scene when Brooke comes in back from working at the bed and breakfast and they're talking about, remember how much fun we used to have with these? When Justin asks, asks her and she says, yeah, well, that was a long time ago. And then she goes off to sulk. Then Justin goes, you know what, guys? I, I think I'll set this one out. Because he's, I guess, being influenced by Brooke, but also he was just a second ago trying to convince her to join. So it seems a bit quick for that switch. And I'm not saying it can't happen. It just seems a little too fast, especially considering that it's one of the main thematic points of the episode. I'm wondering if it was mm-hmm. made more for the point of the theme rather than the point of the character. And that's strange coming from Beth Culp. Yes. Yes. I think it is definitely more in favor of the theme because it definitely suits the theme, but the character, yeah. it, I think it would fit the character if Justin hadn't just described how he is aware of those domino pieces sort of influ- being reminiscent of the lives that we live and the ways that we affect each other, it seems like he would be on his guard for that. Whereas if he hadn't had that conversation, if we cut that entirely from this episode, everything makes a whole lot more sense in my mind because yeah. Justin is coming at this from a perspective of, wow, look at this thing that we did when we were kids. That's lots of good times. And then when his older sister, who he looks up to, says, eh, that was a long time ago and sort of gives the impression that it's a kid's thing, that makes sense that he would respond that way. And then later when Brooke is like, I'm not going to go to church, maybe he would think similarly, I guess church is a kid's thing, too, because Brooke hasn't been learning her verses, whereas the younger kids are all amped up about it. And so that makes sense, but it doesn't with that one scene in the middle where Justin displays that he is very aware of and thinking deeply about this specific theme. Yeah. And more than that, right after he talks about that verse, Brooke comes in and she's got a terrible mood and Justin's trying to ask, Whoa, what's, what's going on? And he hears her acting that way. And John says, well, maybe you need to go back up to your room and start over this morning. And she's like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's just been so it's been so tough. I, I don't know if she describes Luke and Becca and all that, but John then says, like, no, you're not going over to Becca's after you get done with bed and breakfast. You're coming back here and we're going to talk about this. So you would think even after that, that Justin would hear that and get that warning. But then later on, when Brooke is still acting that way, you don't really see that. It's like he was just there for the conversation, but it didn't register that, man, Brooke isn't doing so well. I wonder why, you know? Right. It kind of feels like the first half of the episode was written with a certain end in mind and then a different end was presented and added to the episode without the first half being reformed to match it. Yeah, I kind of see. To a certain extent. I kind of see what you're saying. Then again, a lot of times in Beth Culp's episodes, there will be a pitch for the episode or a, a gimmick like the dominoes in this one or like the one in... What was it? It was sick of it with Haley and all the things she was sending her mom up for that we don't actually see the results of. We don't get a payoff. <laughs> no, but they're 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 vehicles for the theme. And that's that's Beth sure. Culp's style. It is. It is. And there are places where I really love it because yes. the point of the episode is not the fun little thing that we're going to do. The point of the episode is the conversations that it's going to spawn, which I, I really love. The, 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 the conversations are the important part. Mm-hmm. And I think 
like some of the really classic episodes, even of Adventures in Odyssey, are kind of like that too, like ice fishing. Um, so good. Where they go out, they go ice fishing, and that's fun. But it's a vehicle for the conversation Monty has with his grandfather mm-hmm. about being special. The place where I think that Odyssey maybe ties things in better is that the conversation happens and then the episode doesn't end. They have a little bit of time for a little bit of brevity, a laugh that ties in the elements of the plot centered part of the episode and leaves you with this warm. Everything has come full circle and tied together in a beautiful knot that makes this a well packaged episode. Yeah. And here I think is a place where maybe it doesn't do so well at that. Now, that's something that the previous episode, Chocolate Cumbered Promises, did really well because it tied the plot both thematically and in the actions of the characters into the cake that Brooke was making for Mr. Key. And we got that payoff. We got the great music, the great interactions at the end. Loved that. And that's why you cry at that episode. (laughs) Well, yes. True. <laughs> I don't know if I cried, but I know there were... No, uh, no sorry. Yeah. That's why I cried at this <laughs> Yeah, don't project, man. No. <laughs> it's fine. You, the 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 royal you. <laughs> well, how about we move on and talk about Tiffany? Oh, yeah. She's our uh, clip of the day. Oh, let's go then. Okay. Yeah. Specifically how <laughs> Mrs. Donner completely Destroys shuts her down. Destroys her. <laughs> I'm right here. Was there something you wanted, Tiffany Richter? Here, Mother wants you to give the help new uniforms. The help? Becca and Brooke look perfectly all right to me. But I suppose it'll be useful to have an extra set on hand. The floor looks great, girls. Thanks, Mrs. Donner. I think it looks filmy. Thank you, Tiffany, for dropping these off. Have a nice afternoon. Uh, But I wasn't leaving. Come now. We don't want to keep you from anything important. Besides, we don't want to distract the help any more than we already have, do we? (laughs) Well, I never. I hope (laughs) Tiffany backed up her files because she just got shut down. (laughs) Burn. (laughs) You want to talk about why that's a good scene? Yes, I would love to because Tiffany is terrible and (laughs) Mrs. Donner comes in. And says, you're terrible. And tells her to leave. <laughs> exactly. And she does it in a very matter of fact, uh, you're being rude, leave kind of way. Not even saying, Tiffany, how can you be so terrible? It's just, uh, these are two people who work for me. Go and do things that you find important rather than insulting people. Yes. Which is yes. great. And it's, she does it in a very brief but firm yes. way. Which... I, I want to grow up to be like Mrs. Donner. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Donner is the ideal. We should all aspire to that. Yeah, she will get much more fleshing out, I think, in the next season as well, if I remember correctly. A little bit. But she's great. She's great. And earlier in the scene, when Tiffany comes in, she's walking through the wet floors that Becca and Brooke had just mopped up. And they go, oh, Tiffany, we just mopped there. And Tiffany's like, oops, my bad. And then she talks about how Joan only wanted a month-to-month lease. And Brooke and Becca go, wait, what? And t- she goes, oh, did you not know that? I'm so sorry. And then Mrs. Donner comes in and goes, yeah, we're going to cut that off right there. Yeah. So I appreciated that. I don't know what Tiffany's objective is. Like, she's Annoying. clearly trying to egg them on. Yeah. And, like, make them feel less powerful than her because she has information they don't. But yeah. she serves them more than she doesn't. Like, hey, did you know that I learned information that's useful to you? It might agitate you that I know it. But I'm actually helping you. Why am I doing this? I hate these people. <laughs> you want to move on to the Joan Taylor side of things here? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So we're get... trying to remember how much she's in this episode. Well, she's at the end. There's a scene at the begin or towards it's right before the first commercial break between Ben, Luke, and Becca, where they're all at the store and they're helping lock up and stuff, and Ben is going to the Sunrise Grill to meet with Joan. And That's right. Ben and Becca are still very much opposed to it. But and this is where Becca actually tells Ben what Tiffany said about the month to month lease. And then Ben still goes anyway. And Becca is saying, like, don't call her my mom. She said that so, so many times. And Luke is still harping on the point. I, I don't know if it's in this episode or the next one. And I'll get to it in the next one about you left us. You can't stay. You won't keep your promises. So Becca seems to have the more personal tie of she's not my mom. And Luke has the tie of you didn't keep your word. And I like that dichotomy there between the two of them. And then Ben, on yeah. the other hand, wants to be a good father and also wants to remain open. Like he's, he been, he's been wanting Joan to come back for all this time. And all of a sudden she's here. And I really like and I also think it demonstrates uh, some of his like that he's an imperfect character when he talks to Joan and he says, I'm not going to let you hurt my hurt our kids again. I heard you might not even be, be staying in town. And listen. If you're not staying, then I can't let you get that close to them again, I, I think is what he's saying. And then Joan cuts him off by saying, "That's I, I need to tell you more. And she tells him the reason why, which we find out in the next episode why. Uh, and so while he maybe shouldn't have gone that far, I really admire him wanting to stand up for his kids in, a I think, a, a pretty respectful and decent way with his ex-wife. Well, I think, yeah, I think he went exactly the right amount that he should have. Yeah. Just because, like... Given that he doesn't know what she knows and what she's going to share with him in the in this episode, but then with the audience in the next episode, um, he's fully within his rights to say, look, like you divorced me. I'm not going to let you get close to the kids if you're going to just hurt them again. So when he comes back later that day and Luke and Becca are saying, well, what did she say? And he says, your, your mother's staying. And I think Luke's like, what? Did she give you a promise or something? That's another example. Was that Luke that said that or was that Becca? I don't remember. I don't remember either. That also does tie into the same thing I was just talking about. He values that promise. And to a certain extent, Becca does too. And so Ben is almost totally flipped or not even totally flipped because he was he valued keeping the family together. And so when he went to meet with Joan, his goal was to keep the family together and not let her hurt them. What happens now is that he wants to keep his family together and not let them be hurt by what she has to share, which is why he wants her to share it with them. And I love right. that. It's a it's it's a great moment because it shows what he values. And now he's starting to warm up to the idea of maybe like not maybe there could be something here because we're not there yet. There might be something here that wasn't there before. What's there, Mama? I'll tell you when you're But at least he's not totally opposed to Joan being there. And Luke and Becca are still very much opposed to it, but we will see in the next episode where that goes. Yeah. Anyway, any other final thoughts on this episode? Um, It's a fun episode kind of all around. I think the conversation that Brooke has with her parents. There are dominoes that fall into syrup. That's, that's as much as you can expect. You're right. The yeah. dominoes that fall into syrup, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. But, like, I think the conversation with Brooke at the end is very good. It's yes. very, like, it's a very deep serious conversation there's a lot of like there's times in the past where Bert cries in the conversation too by the way yes she does and there's times in the past where john morrison has a conversation with his kids and he has like that no no no, don't interrupt i have stuff to to say still like he's he did that with mike in um spoiled sport spoiled sport yes and it's those conversations that 
they get really raw and real mm-hmm. and they kind of lay down <laughs> the, the straight facts more or less, which I like in, in its own in its own right, in its own place. It, it's pretty decent as far as when you want an episode with a really emotional pull at yeah. the end where yeah. where you get this sort of sense of like, this is the severity of not making these mistakes because of the result that can come from them. And that's why John Morrison is saying these things. He's not saying that because he's mad at Brooke because he like hates her. And now he wants to really lecture her. I mm-hmm. feel like that's that maybe the tendency of too many people when they're giving a lecture to their children to let it be an outflow of anger. And it's mm-hmm. good to see an example where it's not an outflow of anger. It's an outflow of understanding the severity, the importance of these moral values. Yeah. And realizing the impact that following or not following them has not only on other people, but on your own soul. And communicating that in a way that shows that importance and also that he loves his daughter. And we see that from the gentleness that he shows at the end of the conversation, contrasting that with the force that he had to show at the beginning of the conversation. Because John and Mary are standing their ground all throughout this conversation. Brooke's fist is clenched. She's allowing the tension to build. And the tension builds until the tension breaks and she breaks down crying. And that's a great moment for her because it's a maturing moment for her. Her parents have had that maturity, those lessons that they've learned. And now they're able to say, we know what you're going through. We know that this is hard for you, but we still love you and we can't let you do this. And then as soon as they see that emotion come out in her, they realize, okay, she knows. She knows what's going on and she's willing to, like, she realizes what she's done. Yeah. Yeah. And they welcome her back in a, in a way. So I, um, I really like that. That was a really, really powerful moment. Anyway, all that to say, good episode. Agreed. Ready to end this? Yeah. Hey, guys, guess what? What, Michael? If you're listening on August 31st, which you probably should be, if you're not, well, sorry, but this is the last day to use the code GILEADFAN22 at shop.keysforkids.org to get 25% off all down Gilead Lane. You better do it now. It's very worth it. Yes. Especially because right now we're going into the fall season. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If you're a student, you're going to college, you might need something to listen to on those long walks across the campus. Or hey, maybe you're working. In which case, life hasn't changed because summer does not exist for the working force. (laughs) You could break up that monotony. (laughs) With Gilead. Some episodes of Down Gilead Lane. (laughs) And as you're listening to episodes of Down Gilead Lane, you can listen to more episodes of Return to Gilead. And where can they listen to that, Ryan? And Down Gilead Lane should hire me (laughs) as a marketer. Uh, They should should, uh, (laughs) listen at returntogilead.com. Yes, yes, returntogilead.com is still being updated with information about the podcast, but you can find our interviews on there, links to our social media on Facebook and Instagram at Return to Gilead. You can also find links to like Randy Heckman's book and Austin Peachy's podcast and the DGL stat spreadsheet or the DGL wiki, which is replacing the stat spreadsheet information about upcoming episodes and cast and crew for that actually not cast but crew for those episodes for instance the next episode which is comeback mom episode 65 of down gilead lane do i need to say something here uh yeah hi michael uh and i'm ryan (laughs) thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time as we once again return to gilead